Welcome to Stories from the NNI. I'm Lisa Friedersdorf, Director of the National Nanotechnology Coordination Office. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Juan Pablo Geraldo, an Associate Professor in the Department of Botany and Plant Sciences at the University of California, Riverside. Juan Pablo, thank you so much for joining us today. To get us started, can you tell us how you first got involved in nanotechnology? Hello, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Yes, uh, I was a PhD student at Harvard University studying plant biology around 2011. And I was uh, looking for developing cutting-edge tools to study and engineer plant function. And just one train stop away from Harvard was MIT, where I heard a PI was working on uh, interfacing nanomaterials with plants. And his name is Michael Strano. So I approached him uh, with an idea of uh, using uh, some of his nanosensors for understanding how uh, plants functioned. And I proposed that I will write an NSF postdoctoral fellowship to fund my work. And so I was very grateful that NSF supported me in that endeavor that funded me for uh, three years to do a postdoctoral fellowship in his lab where we went beyond developing plant nanosensors into turning plants into technological devices and developing new tools for uh, engineering plants. What are the types of tools that you needed to develop in order to do the investigations that you wanted to do? Yeah, so something that was challenging at the time was like uh, how to sense uh, very precisely like uh, signaling molecules in plants that uh, the plants use for uh, respond to their environment, for example, to respond to stresses. And my colleagues in plant biology, for the most part, were relying on uh, developing genetically modified plants that express biosensors uh, for doing that work. But that technology is limited to a handful of species that you can uh, genetically transform, uh, whereas nanotechnology had uh, the opportunity to be a universal tool where by developing one nanosensor, uh, synthetic nanosensors in the lab, we could apply them to any plant species, whether it was a model species for research or a, cross, a crop species, or maybe a species of plants that grow out in the natural ecosystems. And so so that was the uniqueness of that nanotechnology provided that really appealed to me to start working on nanotechnology initially. So if you're developing or using a nanosensor to look at the signaling molecules that indicate stress, what is the process that you use to measure those molecules? That's a good question because when we were uh, starting this project, that was the first uh, thing that we needed to look at is like, how are we going to deliver these nanosensors and other nanomaterials into plants. And so I started focusing on plant leaves because these are surfaces that are, like, are easy to uh, apply nanomaterials. We um, develop a technique that uh, inspired by other techniques that my colleagues use in plant biology, just infiltrating the leaves using a syringe without a needle. And that provided us the ability to deliver the particles directly inside of the leaves at the sites where these uh, signaling molecules are generated. But later in my lab, I've been developing tools that could allow us to simply apply these nanomaterials as a droplet on the leaf surface. And so they spontaneously move uh, without any uh, mechanical aid or other aids into the plant uh, leaf tissue. So something that 
could allow not only researchers, but anybody basically to apply nanomaterials on leaves and directly deliver them into plants. So when you are able to get the nanosensors into the leaves to detect the signaling molecules, what type of readout do you get? Is it an optical signal? Does it change colors or fluoresce? How does that work? Yeah, so uh, plants use a chemical-based language to communicate. And so these are based on signaling molecules that are difficult for us to measure, but the nanosensors can change their optical signals, like their fluorescence intensity, or sometimes the fluorescence emission wavelengths in response to these plant signaling molecules. And by doing that, we can uh, translate this uh, chemical-based language of plants into an optical digital signal that our electronic devices can easily record, such as cameras that people use in their smartphones or uh, near-infrared cameras that are commonly used for monitoring the environment or for agricultural purposes or for plant phenotyping. So, so I see an opportunity of nanotechnologies to help us like translate the chemical-based language of plants into a language that uh, our computers and machines can, can read. And so that thing that could open the door to a lot of opportunities, such as uh, one of the projects that we demonstrated last year on uh, monitoring plant health in real time using these optical nanosensors. Could you talk a little bit about monitoring plant health? And if you're able to measure molecules that are released when a plant is under stress, what do you do with that information? How does that help you protect the health of the plant? Yeah, so currently we detect uh, plant stress uh, by uh, looking at their symptoms, like when the plant is wilted, when the plant has changed color and turned like yellow or when the plants have suffered uh, damage, in other words. So, but uh, with the nanosensors, we can detect that stress early, even before you start seeing uh, detrimental effects. So what we want to do is to use the nanosensors for allowing plants to communicate with machines or with us and tell us, I am experiencing the stress, please help me alleviate the stress. And so once you, if you can detect the stress earlier, then we can use therapeutics, actually some basic nanotechnology to alleviate that stress. And that's also part of the research that I work in my lab as well. We have been developing antioxidant nanoparticles that can alleviate the different stresses like uh, high light or heat or salinity stress. So nanotechnology uh, can help us to both help detect stress early in plants and help plants alleviate the stress when they need it and before the damage of, of those stresses impacts their function and their yield. I understand your research also looks at how to develop technologies or high-value products from plant-based systems. Can you talk about that work? Yes, of course. So we are uh, interested in using the unique ability of nanomaterials to bypass like plant barriers, such as like leaf surface or the cell membranes or walls and deliver chemical and biomolecule cargoes into plants that can turn the plants into biomanufacturing devices. And so for doing that, we need to deliver basically a, a chemical messages to plants. And so we're doing that by uh, delivering plasmid DNA to uh, organelles in plants that are um, called chloroplasts. These are 
photosynthetic organelles that can make a wide variety of high value molecules. They can make mRNA, they can make proteins, they can make uh, lipids and hormones. We just need to learn how to tap into that potential of these organelles called chloroplasts for making uh, high value products for our own benefit. And so we recently were funded by NSF to use uh, a tool that we developed for targeting the delivery of plasmid DNA to chloroplasts for making biopharmaceuticals, more specifically mRNA uh, vaccines. And so um, we think that this could be a highly enabling technology because, as I mentioned, uh, the goal will be that you can have a solution that you just apply topically on the leaf surface and then turn that plant into a biomanufacturing device of mRNA vaccines or any other high-value compounds that you need. And as you know, well, uh, plants are almost everywhere where humans uh, live, and they are solar-powered devices. They can repair themselves. They are kind of the envy of the machines that we create, right? So if we can ever make a machine that has all the properties that plants have, that can grow everywhere, repair themselves, and be solar-powered, I think we will uh, reach uh, something that like everybody has trying to do for decades, but we have already plants out there that can do that for us. We just need to learn how to communicate with them and control them. I want to switch gears a little bit and, and talk about interdisciplinarity. I mean, it's something that we emphasize a lot in the NNI is one of the attributes of nanoscience is working across boundaries. What types of disciplines do you work with to advance your research? And then also what backgrounds do you look for in the students that you hire in your lab? Well, it's definitely been instrumental to work with people across multiple disciplines in this field of the interface between plants and nanotechnology. I was probably one of the first plant biologists, too, to be in the chemical engineering department at MIT doing a postdoc. So that was uh, quite a jump from plant biology to chemical engineering. Um, but uh, I, I, it really paid off. I, was, I learned a great deal from engineers about how they approach science, like by developing new nanomaterials, using advanced tools for measuring the impact on living systems and modeling that to make predictions. And so in my lab, I uh, have uh, interdisciplinary teams of plant biologists, microbiologists, chemical engineers, material scientists, and we all work together with this same approach of engineers use of make, measure, and model that's the way we approach this space. And so um, I don't think it would have been uh, possible to do the cutting edge work we've done in plant nanobiotechnology uh, if I was like uh, only working in my PhD field of plant biology and, and if I was not collaborating now in my lab and with other people uh, across multiple science and engineering fields. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. This has been a lot of fun. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, I think like one advice for them is that don't be afraid of moving to another field. Uh, like, you know, try to break boundaries and venture out into areas outside of your expertise. And then once you solidify your knowledge and expertise in that area, you can become a leader in that space because it can become your own niche in science or engineering. Uh, that was uh, my case. And I think uh, for many of uh, my colleagues, is the transition to work in nanotechnology, environmental nanotechnology or nanobiotechnology has required them to change and move from like a uh, different field. And so 
So that is something that, yeah, I advise my students. 